let me start like this. Hey, John. Yeah, bro. What do you call a guy with no arms in the middle of a lake? Uh, Bob. That's correct. <laughs> and if that Bob is also a legendary rock producer that's teaming up with the hip for the first time, you call him Mr. Bob Rock. I don't. I, I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> that's right, folks. We're cat. We're tackling World Container. Guys, let me start by saying that my memory of this album, World Container, was not as good as my current re-listening experience has been. I do remember enjoying the album back in 2006 when it was released, but I also remember a lot of criticism of the sound and the apparent direction the band was going, and of course, especially with the lead single, In View. I think though now that this was because I didn't really appreciate how great of a combination the aforementioned Bob Rock and the hip were. This album, I think, I think, is expertly crafted and it sounds great. It rocks. There's some great rocking tunes on here and the hip are using sounds and studio moves that we've not really heard before. So having said that, you know, and I'll give the usual caveat that, you know, all hip music is pretty distinctly hip, I think this is a pretty unique album. We hear, you know, a disco beat being used from the drum and bass that pokes up throughout this album. You first notice it on the lonely end of the rink. But every song, it has a very distinct, you know, chorus, verse, bridges. You know, there's a lot of parts in these songs and they're seamlessly sewn together. We see some songs that have like multiple vocal tracks, I think, from Gord, which really give it punch. And it's not something I've really noticed in other albums before. I mean, have you ever heard a hip piano ballad? Well, World Container has two, in Pretend and the titular World Container. Not to mention the use of keyboards and pianos throughout the album. And I think all of this, you know, tapestry that they've been able to create is possible because Bob Rock understood what the band is good at and was able to play to those strengths. Those strengths being weaving guitars, in a driving rhythm section and in this album they're perfectly mixed the songs and the mixes are cohesive despite the fact that there's a lot going on which also gives the album endless listenability you can go back through and re-listen to these songs and pick out some of the finer details in the production and the musicianship just to end my little intro here I want to give a quick example of some of the things I'm talking about and I'll point to the drop-off and I know we're gonna cover this one in depth a little later but I think this is a good example because here you get a riff that's almost little bones or fully completely esque in the verse but it's not front and center like it was in those songs the rest of the band is doing a lot of different things around this riff and the mix is really cohesive not one you know different things will stand out at different times but there's so much going on than just this riff there's dropouts, bridges, etc. And each player is doing more unique stuff to add to the groove than just straight ahead following along. It's mature, and I think the mix allows everyone to do their part and sum up to a great set of interesting rock songs. Guys, what do you think? Who wants to start? Let's go. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Brad. Thank you for the intro. I have to uh, agree with uh, quite a bit of what you just said there. Um, yeah, I mean, this song came came out, uh, or this album came out um, to kind of, I, I don't remember the reviews of the album, but I remember really 
liking it quite a bit. Um, Bob Rock comes with a certain mystique. I think this is probably the first time that they got a producer that came with a kind of a larger than life quality to him. And, and people had mm-hmm. assumptions about who Bob Rock is and what kind of sound he produces. I think a lot of people might say he's kind of like a, he's a very involved producer. Um, but, and he did two albums with the hip, this one and, and the next one that they did. And this one is my favorite one for sure. It's got a ton of interesting songs. It seems like this is uh, kind of a re, I don't want to say rebirth, but just kind of like a little bit of a falling back in love with the band, you know, the band kind of, uh, like we talked a lot last album about how they were, there was a lot of tension uh, in the band during the kind of in-between evolution times. Um, and this, it seems like they're kind of really tight in this album. Mm-hmm. With songs like Family Band, which we cover later. Um, and I think probably Bob Rock helped rejuvenate them a little bit. I heard an interview with uh, with Gord, uh, one of the George Strombolopoulos interviews um, they did around the release of this album. And he was saying just how much fun they were having hanging out with one another and how much fun Bob Rock was to work with him just kind of like uh, he would be pointing at Gord or Bobby Baker or whatever. And he's like, no, 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 do it like this. You know, let's try, try it this way. And Gord uh, said in the interview, he, he'd kind of forgotten how agile his bandmates were. And Bob would say, do it like this. And then all of a sudden it would be just spot on perfect. Um, and, mm-hmm. and they just have like this uh, kind of uh, tour de force talent to just be able to do that and work with somebody like that. So I think it was a really good mix to, to get Bob Rock on board. I love the album. There's a ton of great songs. Uh, you mentioned a couple piano ballads. Um, that's Bob Rock playing the piano. So that's kind of completely driven go. by him, right? Um. So yeah, I think this is a really cool album. I think like also I've heard people say this and we talked about kind of our era of the Tragically Hip, how we were probably, we were in, you know, junior high when uh, Phantom Power came out. So we weren't like the first wave of hip fans. It's not like we grew up with this band in the early 90s. But uh, funny enough, like with the single In View, which may be maligned by some, uh, I think it brought new fans into the band i think there were people who heard the tragically hip for the first time at that point and were like wow this band's really great and they probably had kind of a discovery like we did um at that time so no i've got lots of great things to say about this album can't wait to get into it i think you guys all picked great songs uh so yeah john what do you think um i think uh I'm reminded of uh, a Lorne Michaels quote where, you know, they were talking about which cast was the best cast and of Saturday Night Live and things like that. And he said, you know, in his way, people tend to like the cast when they were in high school. Everybody seems to think right. that yeah. the show was the best when they were at that age in mm-hmm. high school. And I think it's fair to say that <clears throat> my time with the band uh where where i'm absolutely fanatical about them has ended with the last album um and and i it doesn't mean that you know i'm gonna exist as a counterweight from here on out in the in the discussion 
But what do you, you know, mean from here on out? That's what you do in this podcast all the time. Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. I do shade negative. Yeah. <laughs> you I'm, are I'm, the weight. Yes, the fader. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say, you know, like I'm not intentionally trying to, to slag these albums, but, you know, it's not my band anymore. It's not, it's not, you know, the thing is, too, is that we, we keep talking about. <clears throat> Uh, chicken or egg with Bob Rock, but you know, and and we've kind of dis- discussed it where he's changed a lot of the way the band uh, <clears throat> does things. I I kind of get get the feeling, and you know, we haven't discussed it as of yet that the band was ready for a change. Um, that a lot of this stuff is initiated and pushed uh, by the band. You know what I mean? I I think that there was some fracturing that we talked about with the In Between Evolution album, and also you know. Gord sort of had a burgeoning solo career that he could have put more into, and it feels like the the pivot or redirection um, that took place at this album kept him more invested in the group, and 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 as a result, kept them more together. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, like I say, I think that they were ready to get Poppy, uh, and and you know, we talked about the mystique of Bob Rock. There's also a lot of distrust. Hey, like. He's come in and, and produced albums uh, where bands have a fanatical fan base and the band, uh, the band's fanatical fans don't react very positively to the Bob Rock album, whether it's the Black album in Metallica or what we're seeing here, you know. Purists of those bands sort of go, well, that's when they got really commercial and things like that. So mm-hmm. I, I would think that if you hire Bob Rock, you understand that you're going to make a decidedly commercial album, right? Um, you know, it's interesting too when you talked about uh, him playing the piano parts uh, throughout this album. You know, he was... a uh, a musician in his own right of, of some accomplishment. I think the biggest song he ever did was, uh, uh, eyes of the stranger by the payolas. You guys know that song? Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's in that group. So it's weird that he's been a part or been attached to, to like incredibly gigantic albums, but you know, eyes of a stranger. When I think about that, that's a sort of like a, it's not a bad song, but it's a niche one hit wonder sort of a, you know, I sort mm-hmm. of think it's funny every time it comes on. It's not the way you're yeah, supposed to think too. about great music. You're like, hee 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 hee. I like this song. It's a guilty pleasure. Right. And, and I, I don't know, like, uh, I, I just sort of think that the band was, uh, was ready to take on, a. a a younger audience you know i we talked in in other episodes too about the way they felt about their beer drinking uh fm uh audience you know their blow it high dough crowd and and that mm-hmm. and those sorts of people they you know they were looking the to kind di- of dum-dums that shout out Freebird at a skinnard show right and they're they've been trying <laughs> to distance themselves from from those sorts of fans for a long time and i think that we're now firmly in the you know gord is bald and he wears a you know hipster you know baseball cap all the time from here on out you know um it just it's a different it's a different feel and i i don't you know i think i i think it's one of those things where if you were looking for um for like an early hip album with that you know sort of driving blues sound 
why would you pick up this album you know so on the one hand it's like no it's not my favorite but on the other hand i mean i know what to expect and the audience should know what to expect too this is a very different album from that and if you're if you're if you're looking for the hip to be that snarly band you're looking to be disappointed you know that i want to I think I got to push back just a little bit on sure. some of this because yeah. I'm I was coming from it really, you know, I don't know if you guys listened to what I said in the intro, but <laughs> yeah. I think that you know, like I said Bob Rock to me understood what the band was good at. So I don't see this as a huge change. Like it is unique and there's different sounds and stuff, but mm-hmm. like looking, you know, like I said on this re-listening to of the album for this show, it's like I'm noticing all those old things that made the hip great, made them really good, the stuff that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It's just put in a, yeah, maybe it's like you could say more commercial package, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say that. It's more, it's just like an expert pack package. A guy that knows what he's, what he's doing in the studio, has worked with big bands, and knows how to get that sound, knows how, you know, this is your guys' sound, this is what you're good at, let me help you bring that out mm-hmm. because you know a lot of these songs when you listen to them it's it's the same you know you have Langlois doing chords you know or or pluck and baker you know coming in with the sweet riffs and stuff but they're just like subtly placed in the mix so as not to overwhelm anything you know the bass is right there it's up when it needs to be it's up front when it needs to be each member is up front when they need to be you know but they're all it's very cohesive and, you know, when the two guitars are plucking, you know, chords and stuff, which is, you know, harkens back to locked in the trunk of a car or something like this, right? It's, that's all there in this album. All these great things are here in this album. It's just maybe presented in a way that you've never heard before that makes it sound, I don't know, kind of unique. But to me, I don't think it's like a super big change. It's almost like a surface level change. But when you dig into it, it's, it's, it's right there. It's what they're good at. And that's what I think, that's what I said in the intro. I think he understood what they were good at and was able to bring it out. And then, yes, he has his own sound or he has his way of doing things. It's like this old band getting a fresh paint job, you know, with the modern studio techniques and the and the big gear and the nice mics and, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to overproduce this and that here and there. But at, at its essence, I think it's a very hip album you know and it's it rocks it rocks um yeah no i think you push a lot of a lot of the right buttons i think probably you people look at the single like i think honestly i think that's what you're talking about right here is just looking at the at the album no. through the lens of the single i think like honestly right. Jordan, i i don't see a lot of, a huge difference i think i think if you said what you said about the next album, the We Are The Same album, perhaps ironically titled, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I would be fully on board. That's the second Bob Rock album, and it's it's different. It's, uh, spoiler alert, not my favorite. I don't think it'll be any of our favorites. Um, but I don't know. Like Obviously, it, it has a different tone to it. Uh, World Container does, but... I don't think it's so shockingly different from what they've done in the past where we can, it's, it's definitely not dismissible. Not that that's what you're doing, but no, but the point I was trying to get across though, is just that, um, my sentiment is commonly held. 
Okay, so, you know, I speak for the trees. The trees have no tongues. No, I, I think that there are a lot of fans that feel negatively about this turn for the group. And I am one of them. And so, like, I can, I can speak to it honestly. But the point that I was trying to get across was more that I think that this is from the band themselves there's the, there's this temptation to think well now they got with bob rock and bob rock just made a bob rock album with the tragically hip no i think the band was ready to use backup vocals in a more traditional sense and bob rock is very adept at doing that and they they did it to to great aplomb i think in in this in this yeah. album <laughs> There's really but, not. I but can't think of a song with a Langua backing track on this album. Well, or or gang or, vocals. Yeah, exactly. Man. Or it's gang vocals, or they're yeah. you know, he's he's mixed out his his typical uh, thing that he does, however you want to describe it, is not present on this CD at all. So yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like you can say, you know. Uh, that's probably because Bob Rock wouldn't let them be themselves. I'm just more saying, you know, for the people that are negative about this album, I think that this is a choice that comes from the band to embrace commercial you're uh, saying, production. You're saying don't blame Bob. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I, I'm on board with that. I think it's for sure from them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I agree I with mean, that. I think... Uh, it's definitely interesting, but the the points that you're making the, these are points that we're making before people are making before the album was released, right? right. Yeah, like these are assumptions. Everybody's and, just waiting for it to be bad. Yeah, so, for yeah. sure. So I think I, I think this album had a flavor to it before it was released, and for me, I was kind of uh, at the time. I remember, you know, reading up on Bob Rock, listening to some other Bob Rock albums. I was almost prepared to be disappointed with everyone else. And then this album surprised me in a in a really good way. So, um, yeah. thinking of that, thinking of that, that there was this preemptive, you know, thought that it was going to be bad. How ballsy is it then to release in view as the single? Totally. Because I think that's a lot of what like garnered some of these sentiments right away. Is that was the single does sound very that song specifically sounds very different than a hip song. Mm-hmm. at first glance that 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 riff you know is just not something we were expecting you know and and then and then also how ballsy is it to have the most negative person on the podcast do that song stay tuned <laughs> <laughs> uh, um but i, I the think, answer I, very ballsy <laughs> i think i think uh in all seriousness though it's the best single you know, like looking back at it and listening to the album a bunch of times, there's nothing else that screams radio on the, fly. You know, in my opinion, anyway, fly, I think would work. Yeah. And it yeah, might've been a single. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. I, uh, I, you know, I agree. I agree with the choice to make it, mm-hmm. to make it the mm-hmm. single though, because it's, uh, it's memorable. It's really, really memorable. Yeah. And a lot of the time that's all you're looking for. Um, yeah. when you put something out into that sort of radio space, right? So. Well, then, and then, yeah, for good or for bad, maybe it was like, you know, like I'm sitting from the audience perspective, if you didn't like it, maybe you listened to the album to be like, oh, what did they fuck up here? You know, like, what's sure. this going to be? And yeah. then if you did like it, maybe you were like, oh, I have to listen to this album because listen to this. This is a cool new sound. 
But I definitely remember, and Steve, I think you put it that like you're looking at the album through the lens of the single. I think that did happen when this got released. There was a lot of conversation, I remember, um, about what is this? You know, what is this new thing? What is this pop direction? And all well, that, we all but... we all know. You know, uh, we all know Steve Rositas. He's a he's a, a friend of all of ours and uh, and a really good guy. I was telling him that our uh, guitars. Let's just drop his uh, our guitars. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Our guitars a guitar, If you need a, your guitar fixed, sure. Our yeah, guitars, absolutely. Or if you just want to call and chat. Yeah, he's really good Our for that guitars. too. Yeah, no, uh, but but he uh, he he was telling he's asking me like, oh, what song are you doing for the next album? And I I put on in view, and he's like, good luck, you know. And that's just an outsider's opinion, you know. Like he, you know, that's somebody who you know is not fanatical about it in the same way that we've been driven to be because we do this show, and that's him saying the milk's gone bad you know, just mm-hmm. on first blush. And I understand that reaction too. I don't feel that way, but we'll get into it later. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to get into it. Should we get into it? Let's get into <laughs> it. Uh, Steve, I think you're up first. I think you got the first track. All right. I'm here with the lonely end of the rink. I love it when Gord writes songs about hockey, and here he takes on the net-minding persona which he knows so well. He slides the mask down his face and flashes the glove like Paddy Roy, stacks the pads like Sawchuck, and poke checks like Johnny Bauer. This song starts with a guitar beckoning us to jump on the ice so we can crash and bang, and bang it does from the drop of the puck. Guys, I love, I love watching this song as a part of the Hockey Night in Canada montages. You know the ones that used to be masterfully put together by a guy named uh, Tim Thompson. Uh, there's a few hip ones, but this one I think is my favorite. Uh, he blends the opening guitar riff with uh, Foster Hewitt saying, Hello Canada and hockey fans from the United States and Newfoundland. And the band comes in with a certain level of violence. It's really just great. Uh, Now, this same montage includes footage of an interview with Gord uh, done by Ron McLean from the 2002 Olympics about the goal that uh, Tommy Sallow... You remember Tommy Sallow, Brad? Uh, That's right. Uh, He let in the goal from center ice. I don't know if you remember this, that goal. Uh playing for Team Sweden at the time. Uh, and he, he puts himself in Tommy's shoes at that on that one. Uh, since, yes, Gore Downey played, played uh, hockey as a goaltender. And in his words, pucks do crazy things. Now, I played goal as well in my minor hockey days, and I love how this song seems to uh, puts, the, puts the goalie on an island. You're a member of a team... But you're the only one with a completely unique role. And the role is of such consequence that you need that personal fortitude. Maybe that's why they're so damn nuts most of the time. Uh, The life of a goalie is a series of one-on-one battles that can happen in a rapid sequence or in a big showdown moment. 
He's even dreaming of these head-to-head -head battles as he's being driven home from the rink. Uh, where he says, you drove me home through a snowy tomb. I fell asleep in my seat. I had the dream of having no room. You were there just staring at me. Now, I feel like the depth of this song, or the depth of meaning of this song, comes in with kind of the support that he receives from the person that he's referring to as you throughout the song. Um, he sings holding your fist in the air like if you need me you're on your own so i feel like this is a person kind of the support group for for the goalie especially as a kid growing up is your your family in the stands right and are can they actually help you in that moment uh no they can't but they're there for you um in a interview uh with again george strombolopoulos uh, Gord says that the you in the song is his uh, brother, um, who was also a goalie. Uh, and it really kind of weaves in this uh, juxtaposition of isolation uh, between being alone completely on an island, but also having that one person who A, knows what you're going through, B, is there to encourage you, um, and C, is there to see you you know, through those tough moments as well. Uh, probably my favorite verse that kind of exemplifies this is, uh, I hear your voice cross a frozen lake, a voice from the end of a leaf, saying you won't die of a thousand fakes or be beaten by the sweetest of deeks. Um, now, this is him playing hockey with his brother on the lake, um, and his brother is telling him he's support he's like you're not gonna die of a thousand deeks you're gonna wait you're gonna wait it out you're not gonna make the first move um and you won't be beaten by the sweetest of deeks so um that kind of role in a goalie's life especially a young goalie's life is super important to have this guy who knows knows what he's doing he's not he knows what he's talking about and he's there to tell you you know you're you are not going to fall victim to these crazy moves <clears throat> um i love how the uh, i love how the song changes its pace uh it really feels like a hockey game to be honest um the song takes on kind of like scoff feel when uh gord sings oh to join the rush as the season builds jump into the rush as the season builds um and I mean, this is a goalie trope as well, that you want to be a part of the play. When goalies go out of their net to play the puck, fans yell, stay in your net, you know, stay there. But you just have this kind of instinct to want to be a part of the play, not just to, not just to be a puck stopper, but to be someone who uh, can, can make plays happen too. I remember watching uh, Patrick Waugh uh, as I was... A kid, he was he was my favorite goalie, and he would sometimes grab the puck and he would skate outside of the crease and he would drop the puck like a madman. Uh, he would skate out of like the turmoil in front of the net and drop the puck, and he wanted to he wanted to actually be a part of the breakout. And I've seen him; he got called a penalty was called against him because he did it all the way across the blue line once 
And I don't think he realized that that was illegal, but he wanted to be a part of that play. Uh, and of course, Patrick Waugh did so many hilariously crazy things throughout his career. Um, so yeah, that's just one of the, that's, that's what I think about when I, when I hear that, uh, verse, uh, I don't know, boys, I just love it. I love the, I love that Gord loves hockey. I don't know. It's one of the things that makes kind of this, this band a Canadian experience for me. Um, so yeah, this is a great song. I loved it from the first listen. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, well, I'm, uh, as, as official negative counterweight, I, uh, I kind of dislike the pop punk, uh, drum beat and, and feel and some of the, um, ways that they're flirting with, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, skank strokes on the guitar and ska or, you know, uh, reggae vibes. This is where I heard it as like a disco beat. Yes. It's got that like with the drums, it's like a disco beat, you know. Yeah. I kinda liked it, but Yeah, yeah. I I just I don't know. I, I I maybe the way I can explain to you why I I I dislike it is just because I don't see it as actual, you know, authentic or organic growth as a band. I think it's just sort of like, Hey, have you guys ever tried this? Or maybe we could just do maybe we could just do disco, you know, like like <laughs> like it's it's one of those things too you know like the rolling stones have a song called miss you it's a disco song they just that's their disco song you know or yeah or, but they did it when disco was yes the thing yeah the this thing. is not like disco was making a resurgence no 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 you're right and it doesn't sound out of place but, it's, in the but song. it sounds pop punk and it's at the time where pop punk is the thing so i mean yeah, that's true you know i just I just sort of think it's it's a little bit um, it's not like a betrayal of yourself, but it's just a little less uh, real than some of the other sort of feels that um, that they've that they've adopted. Like I, you, you know what though? I mean, the whole idea of the goalie standing by himself while the play is up ice, and you being all by yourself and still having to stand there. It's not like you're on the bench when the play is in the other end. You know, and 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 the lonely end of the rink. That's a you know that's great fodder for a song, and and, and you know maybe I didn't give it enough credit um, as an actual you know insight uh, it, because I start to look you know for um, the Canadiana and for some of the you know some of the hockey references and things like that to be maybe pushed a little bit um, and maybe I'm guilty of thinking that this was uh, something where they were just trying to sort of force that hockey narrative. This is who we are. We're, we're Canadian, you know, that sort of stuff. Cause every once in a while I am, you know, put off by that a little bit, even though I'm the target audience, the target demo for it. You know, I, I felt, I feel a little bit marketed to sometimes. So how do you feel a too on the nose? Yeah. How do you feel about songs like uh, 50 mission cap then? Well, I'm not a pilot. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. You didn't fly. Uh, 50 missions. <laughs> but I think this is, I think this the, is uh, an important Royal British air there's, force. <laughs> no, there's I an important sure. distinction though. Yeah. In that songs like 50 mission cap, the it's not necessary like yeah that one i guess is overtly about it's not overtly about hockey it's a story of this guy who disappeared who happens to be a hockey player that's very on, you know that's, and it's that's like, very on brand for gord 
Right, right. Yeah. No, for sure. And it's got the historical, yeah. you know, with the 50 mission cap and everything like this, you know. But like this one, and I think that that's a lot of times the Canadian references in hip songs come in in this sort of, you know, backdoor kind of way. Whereas this is... Tom Thompson came paddling past, right? Like it's, Right, it's, exactly. It's not, it's not the main focus. Yeah. This is... Like, and I was tempted to like, if I were, if I were doing this song, like if I chose this song to do, I would be tempted to be looking for like some other meaning in it. Right. I thought, whereas the way you, no, I I love the way you went with it, Steve. No, exactly. I thought about it and I was like, this is about hockey. This isn't about something else. This is about playing goal as a kid uh, and having that mindset. And he, he talks a lot about being a goalie in interviews and, and uh, stuff mm-hmm. like this. So well, and the, you know what? There's a comparable too with those uh, ice, isolated positions, playing goal, being a pitcher, being a singer. You're not involved in the play. Mm. You know, like yeah. like yeah. I can tell you, the lonely end of the rink for me as a person who sings and doesn't play an instrument is when it's time for me to shut the fuck up and let, <laughs> and, and let everybody else jam. You know, I'm not a part of that. I I would love to get involved mm-hmm. and you know what i mean mm. like but well and think about gordon the live shows how he does get involved in the jams with the rants and things like this this is him wanting to join the rush uh, for sure you're totally right but i remember seeing the first concert i ever saw was uh acdc and i remember uh thinking to myself it's weird when the singer isn't singing because he stands at the side of the stage and just pumps his fist like something's happening. I, was, I remember being like, that's fake. I remember being like, that's all pretend, you know. Yeah. And, and man, it's got to be really awkward when you're not involved. And yeah, there, there is times when you're just completely not, in, not involved. Like a horn section where you're just sort of like absentmindedly dancing. Yeah, for sure. Or backup singers or whatever it is. Or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. But I think the part of the part of the song too about that and like the narrative, you know, this this, you know, going back to like the actual goalie thing, Mm -hmm. it's like you're you're isolated in these moments, but at the drop of a hat, you have to be ready to to get back into it. Right, and and to be the right, like you can't you can't be so yeah. Right, exactly, and you can't lose your focus. You know, yep. they talk about that all the time with goalies. You know, if, if they haven't, if you know, the play is on the other end of the ice for so long, it's difficult for a goalie then to you know re-engage. Sure. You know, this kind of stuff. So, but I'm so glad that I we think can it's... talk about we can talk about the you know the work as a piece of poetry, right? Because that's where all this stuff comes from, right? And and mm-hmm. it is a you know a stronger poem than I gave it credit for, but it also represents a lot of things in this album that frustrate me. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm glad that we are talking about it, um, you know, as a, a brilliant, uh, you know, uh, set of lyrics, right? Because some of the things that, that happen with, you know, with the production of it and he also does like the sexy whispering too, like, yeah, there's a bunch of Leonard Cohen <laughs> whispering and stuff, which I'm, like, which I'm like, don't sex me through my fourth wall. Like, I don't want to have that. And he typically doesn't do that. So, but you know, it's, it's, it's one that sticks out as sort of as particularly weird or, offensive yeah you got sex through the fourth wall and didn't like it (laughs) yeah he put his tongue in my ear yeah yeah but anyway yeah i I think we're gonna disagree on just kind of the vibe of the song uh based like i think uh, we're gonna disagree on the vibe of the album yeah well fair enough but But, i mean i do i do appreciate the fact that they are uh this is perhaps more of a 
pop pop banger yeah. than it is a straight ahead banger. Yeah. But I do like at the same time the guitar solo is done with a classical guitar. There's mm-hmm. there's massive pace changes throughout the song that are pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, um, nylon strings. When was the last time you heard nylon strings on it? And it's it's cool. It's really cool actually that. But, yeah. So yeah. there's definitely a lot of musical things that I appreciate about the song. Mostly I love it because of the subject matter. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's um, Lonely End of the Rink. All right. Thanks, Steve. Uh, and John, you're up with the next track. Bing, 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 bing. Bing, 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 bing. All right. Yeah, it's perfect. Well, it isn't, and it is. I'm doing In View. In View is the single off this album. Um, I like this song. I uh, I've always liked it. It's a it's definitely a departure uh, for people who uh, get really uptight about the way that bands should sound and uh, people who sort of uh, defend the honor of uh, of <clears throat> of, uh, of certain bands. It's it it is a, a very very different song. Um, it's very poppy. I think it's the poppiest song so far and even yet to come. Uh, this is a radio song, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know what though? It's got an infectious uh, melody and uh, it's produced expertly uh, by Bob Rock. Um, you know, we've got, we've got a synth uh, call line, and a glockenspiel response so you know it's uh it's got a lot of things you're not used to hearing on a uh, on a tragically hip album but uh i uh i still do like the song and one of the things i really like about the song is that gord is uh, singing and singing out like and singing with gusto this isn't uh like a Nora Jones snoozer, um, you know, it's it's not pop in that sensibility. He's still singing his guts out, and uh, the register that the song is uh, is in is actually really hard to sing. I was trying to, I was trying to sing this in the shower all week and things like that. And uh, man, you gotta really, uh, you gotta really give it uh, to to get those notes. And it's a simple. Um, idea the idea for the song is is a devotional love song um and i think it's uh i i think it's done quite well the the device the big device of the song um i've been meaning to call you and that the phone rings once uh, phone rings twice um all that stuff it works i think it works really really well um i like some of the language he uses uh when he talks about uh how much he loves the person in question. Um, I like that he says um, that I'm of you. I think that that's a really good way to describe family. Um, And I've often used it that way. You know, like people say, you know, uh, oh, blood is thicker than water or, you know, we you know brothers are forever and that sort of stuff no you're you're actually you're made of the same stuff like the proteins in your body are quite similar to the proteins in my body and so it's a nice way to say that i am of you um 
He's, there's also some interesting stuff that goes on uh, in the bridge. Uh, the bridge, he says, uh, day erasers, dark of night, excited states gone in plain sight, under the wave or by cave light. Um, I just think that's really beautiful, um, you know, really beautiful language again by Gord. And, uh, you know, it's interesting too, where he says, you know, under the wave or by cave light, um, you could either take that to mean, um, evolutionarily like through through the history of uh you know of peoples um right back to when everybody comes out of the sea or lived in caves and things like that and then there's always the uh the old philosopher king um uh, that, that that you could look at too with cave light um where plato talks about how um were everyone to be chained to the inside of a dark cave and then light come in across uh you know on the wall across from you um it would take uh it would take someone truly enlightened to understand that there's a world outside of their own and to assume that so you know he's 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 drawing off of and just sort of suggesting and poking at bigger deeper things uh you know with a very simple song like the lyric sheet is is quite simple um and uh it also just kind of it uh you know it says something about the way you feel about the people that are close to you when you're not close uh physically you know um he's almost apologizing for not uh being around as much and that sort of stuff I don't know. I I like the song. I um, I I don't know. I I can see why it would get crapped on by sarcastic people like myself. Um, but uh, but but I do enjoy it. I I I put it on. I like it when they play live. There's no eye roll for me. There are songs, you know. Full disclosure on this album that really great uh really great me uh and and that i actively dislike and will like reach for the fast forward uh for the skip but uh this isn't one of them i think this is a, a great song and you know i think justifiably deserves to be on their <coughs> hits hits record you know that sort of thing um so uh <clears throat> now that the praise has been uh backhanded top shelf uh what uh, what say you guys uh brad your thoughts uh yeah i actually really like the song too i i i've got to say that i was definitely one of the people that didn't like it when it first came out i'll uh fully admit to my mistake on that one and that it is a really good song um and i think it was just i was thrown off by that riff you know when it mm -hmm. first came out there, there was no denying it but when I think about that, when I listen to it now, and like when I was doing the re-listens for this for this episode, yeah, it's great. I really like your point about um, singing out mm -hmm. that he's really given her because yeah. I think I think in general this whole album is filled with some really you know out there vocal performances from Gord. I'll get into it in some of the songs that I'm going to do, but um, and I think again like when we're talking about how expertly produced this is, there's lots of li really great things in this song that if again if you're listening closely attentively to that you can get on re-listen it's really great like the the just that that main riff that main hook you it kind of they repeat it a bunch and it kind of feels like it's almost like descending but there's different instruments doing like a call and response to it like one 
you know, the guitars mm-hmm. will be doing the riff with the keyboard or something. Like, I don't know exactly, can't remember exactly, but at one point the bass does it, but it, you know, but it doesn't, the bass doesn't do the riff the whole time that everyone's doing the riff. It just does it for certain bars. It's really kind of cool. Um, and yeah, it's just like a real feel good song. How do you not feel good? You know, just bobbing along to this one, tapping your toe. Well, yeah. And I think that like, um, it's not something where, okay. So I, I listened to the song like 20 times. Um, and, and it, you know, it's, uh, it's one that can make you go crazy a little bit, you know? Um, but there weren't a lot of sort of insights to be gained from listening again and again and again. Maybe one of the only things I thought of was that that particular melody, bing, 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 it's like a ringtone. Like it's, uh, it's you know, and that, that does fit with the, with the I've been meaning to call you and, and, and whatever. But, you know, this is a, an example of uh, a song that has um, instrumentation outside of the members of the band. And so that is pure production. And I think it's an easy target for people to, you know, talk about corruption or outside interference and things like that. So. Mm, the insidious Bob Rock. Yeah, yeah he's mm. here to fuck your band <laughs> He's up. here to fuck your band <laughs> <laughs> Through the fourth wall, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the song grew on me too. Like, like, was I... Yeah, I think I can echo what you guys are saying. Uh, I like the song. It grew on me from the first listen until now. Uh, I do not uh, skip over it. I think it's... Uh, I, I appreciate it as a single. Uh, for sure, like, super poppy. Um, but yeah, like, the one thing that... The only thing that I could say that you guys haven't already said is it does seem like it's like a little bit of a reconciliation like hmm. like i've been taking this thing for granted it oh. sounds it sounds hmm. like uh um to me through this album i think in between evolution I had those kind of darker breakup overtones and i think drone and you and i talked about this last album is it the is it the band he's talking about or is is this his marital relationship oh, it was 100% the band and that was your insight and that's well, for no, sure what's happening for sure but I, I didn't occur to me I, I don't see how it can't be a little bit of both because when things are going sideways sure. they typically go sideways it seems like now things are going really right like this is a happy yeah. album from both like his almost irritatingly his happy <laughs> yeah it's almost. for sure yeah totally so from the perspective of the band <laughs> if you're the kind also, of person that hates joy grown in then yeah (laughs) so it seems like you know i can only imagine because i'm not at the stage of my life yet but i it seems like once you get through some tough times maybe with the young family and your job you have a demanding job and you get over some hump it's probably feels like you're on a bit of a downhill and you're like reinvigorated by both what you do and your family and and your wife and all this that this is what this album feels to me and this this is one where he's talking directly to her, you know, and mm. that's where the emphatic nature of the singing comes from. And it's very like intimate. It feels like a personal, very personal album. I almost feel guilty listening to it. It's like, this is, this is directly for someone else. This is like, yeah, should you be telling me this? Like, is, this is, you know, <laughs> should I be listening? It's like, I'm listening on the phone to someone's intimate exactly, conversation. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cup against the wall. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Totally. So, uh, yeah, I love the song, and I love that, uh, you know, this is obviously a, a happy time, you know, for from our outside gleamings anyway. Who, sure. who the fuck knows? Sure. All right. I don't know. Do we have anything else to add? No, I think that about covers it. All right. Well, uh, I think I'm up next then with the next song, which is Love Sick. Love Brackets Sick. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start the, my take on this song uh, with the music, uh, and then I'll get into the odd sort of spelling and bracketed word on the title, because that's obviously important. But first off, great bass to open this song. Sick bass, sick bass riff, sick bass tone. Just way to go. I'm all for the bass. Um, I think throughout the, the song, too, listen to the drums. There's some really sweet triplets that uh, Johnny Faye does on the on the snare that is just again like exemplifies sort of this really what I'm I keep saying expert you know production or craftsmanship or something and the production is part of it but the playing too and I think it's like like I said before that melding of a, a veteran producer with you know pushing these guys and letting them do their thing it's there's a lot of really nice things throughout um, and yeah the way the guitars come in and out uh, from muted to open, you know, the bass kind of takes the lead and then the guitars come in and there's muted guitars and then they open it up. Um, it just, it really creates this great um, tension and release, you know, where they're either, they're plucking and then they're strumming. It's, it's great. And uh, the vocal performance is, again, top notch. Um, so let me talk about the spelling of the title because... I don't think you do something like this without having some kind of meaning behind it. Like it just, it's, it's beckoning to be looked into. Um, and it definitely kind of colored my interpretation of the song. So first off, love is spelt L-U-V. And then in brackets, there's the sick, but spelt S-I-C, which is a literary device or, you know, thing. Um, and it's, it comes from a Latin adverb. So here's the, the, the Wikipedia definition of of this term so the latin adverb sick which means thus just as in full in a full sentence it's uh sick eret scriptum which thus was it written so you basically you insert this sick in in parentheses after a quoted word or passage and it indicates that the quoted matter has been transcribed or translated exactly as found in the source source text complete with any erroneous, archaic, or otherwise non-standard spelling. So we have this after the, st the, the spelling of love, and it just right off the bat signals that there's something erroneous about this, or there's like a found nature to these um, lyrics, uh, and that we're just, we're just getting it raw. So there's going to be some mistakes in there or some confusion or something like this, but this is, it's found and this is what it is. Um, we should put it at the end of our podcast title. <laughs> hey, oh, were you guys even listening to me? <laughs> nope. 
All right. Let me get back into it here. Sorry, Brad. Sorry. No worries. Uh, so yeah, with the title being with the title "Love" being spelt wrong, it leads me to think that the character of the story doesn't really know what love is, and this is echoed throughout when the narrator asks multiple times, "Am I lovesick?" Followed first by, "As if love is the only virtue there is." Then it's not as if love's the only virtue there is. Maybe love is the only virtue there is. And finally, at the end of the song, landing on yes, love is the only virtue there is. So there's some other repeating phrases uh, in the song. And that's, there are words I carry in my heart, which opens the song and conveys that these words are found, like I said, and maybe not um, totally correct. So the first verse is clung, the words are clung to, glad of, uncommonly held, peculiarly, peculiarly interlaced, remembered, and felt. So I get the sense that these words are descriptions of emotions that the character is struggling to deal with, and that these are what has been found. You know, he's carrying these in his heart, and we're finding them, and they're just translated as is, even if they don't quite make sense. And even the choppy delivery of these phrases kind of in chunks gives the sense of confusion or like questioning um, what's happening. And then by asking right away after this like string of sort of clung to, glad of, um, he asks, am I love sick? And then he starts the pondering of, you know, whether love is in fact a virtue. And this says to me that the character has been hurt, you know, it's a lost love or a breakup or something, but they either can't admit to the pain, like they're being the tough guy, I don't care, I never loved her anyway, or it's genuine confusion, like something more along the lines of like a socially or emotionally unavailable or inept person who can't put together why their partner left and, and how this makes them feel. I kind of tend to think it's more of the former because of the verse, I think it's more of a bridge, I think, I can't remember, anyway. I do think it's the former though because of the part where he speaks about hate. It's nothing to hate, who can't hate can, got nothing against hate, it's all the planning, it gets hard to remember, we're best when we're tender. So in the context of what I just described, this to me is, is the attempts of this character to justify turning the pain into anger. So again, they don't want to admit to being hurt and instead just lash out with hate, but that's okay, got nothing against hate. The planning he refers to is the process of going through this. And what gets hard to remember is the good times, those tender times, which this person is attempting to erase so that they don't have to be hurt by the loss of them. Then the only verse that I really haven't touched on is the second one, which I think is just a look back at the deterioration of this, of this relationship. The plot thins, emotions get frayed, attractions move through the shade, done for, delight in, and forever held, influence, given life remembered and felt so I, I, I really love this track musically um, you know we were talking just about how there's some like joy in this album and stuff I don't see that in this song this is one of the kind of darker sounding songs on the album sounds like there's pain and there's tension in it um, in the delivery of the vocals and stuff and just the mood of the music um, and I think the device of using the, the title spelling coupled with sort of this sporadic delivery of some of the lines after I carry words in my heart, it together gives us this feeling of confusion uh, that, the, that the character of the story is, is trying to process these emotions. And like I said, they're, they're, arraigned, they're maybe not quite right, um, but this is what they are. It's raw. 
Uh, and I think that that uh, coupling those two things is just a delightful extra layer to add on to the song. And it shows that, you know, this band really goes the extra mile. Or maybe I've just read too much into it and none of that is true. Guys? Yeah, well, I was, I was just going to say, um, you know, thank you very much for going into the, the definition to um, sec allurus este scrotum. I can't remember what you said. <laughs> A2 bratus. But it, it was, I'm not the Latin guy. But, <clears throat> but. Uh, the Bible guy. I'm the Bible guy. Um, so no, no, the, uh, but I was going to say it, it has a lot of, you know, you know, come by glad of however that part goes. I don't have it memorized, but, but you know, that feels like it's taken from a nonfiction reference, uh, book, you know, like a reference material, hmm. you know, and it, it seems like it's a bit of a device, you know, um, Gord quite often challenges himself with uh, restrictions on how he's going to be able to write sets of lyrics and things like that. Um, and, you know, I think that this is a case of that too, for sure. And one thing that I picked up on that we haven't really talked about that, that kind of carries throughout the album is um, Gord seems to be resigned or you know, accepting of the idea that they are now an old guard band. Hmm. And, you know, there's this sort of feeling um, where they're trying to rediscover the indie, uh, you know, aesthetic of their band, you know, because they haven't really, they've never really been like a an, an ACDC, you know, that type straight ahead rock band but they're mentioned in a lot of those same breaths and they come from an older era like it's almost like now we're one generation later and in, into indie music and they're trying to reassert themselves as a sort of an outsider band you know even though they they have they carry with it all this radio play and name recognition and stuff like this too but there's you know there's a song the kids don't get it and, and i i know it, we'll get to it later that one is very deliberate and not very subtle about about how young uh you know indie bands or or young bands that have an art aesthetic uh sort of view themselves and the ways in which gord has gone down these roads already and has something to offer in the way of wisdom you know and i think that we're sort of getting something in this song as well um that that is kind of like that like uh, there are there's more things to write about than just love and you're in love and then you're not in love and love hurt you and you know like it can't all be fucking you know nazareth love hurts or you know it can't all be in view by the tragically hip the last song you know that's all just love 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 you know i i think it's a f song about fatigue and just lazy sort of songwriting you know and, and his sort of criticism uh, of that you know and it seems like there's a few times throughout this album in the drop off i i, I feel like there's some some things there and I'll, t I'll touch on them there and then also in you're not the ocean you're just a lake and all this stuff where it feels like it's directed at younger bands, you know? 
I don't know if anybody else picked up on any of that kind of stuff uh, throughout the album or not. But. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, and, yeah. you know, thanks again for walking all over the next track I'm going to do. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get it from nice. The Kids Don't Get It. I don't see it in this song, and I didn't see it in You're Not the Ocean. I kind of saw those two things, and maybe we're looking at the same... <coughs> Excuse me. We... We're looking at the same thing, but putting a different spin on it. I took the spin of there's a theme of, you know, lost love, you know, more right. more direct to what it is. And that and, yeah. you know, and kind of looking, looking back at this thing and, and saying, OK, you don't you know, this relationship is over or whatever, like you just break up or something, whatever. But trying yeah. to be like, well, I didn't need you anyway. You know, it's like you're not an ocean. Yeah. You're just a lake, you know, like I, and this this character that's trying to prevent like guard themselves from the pain or you know mm-hmm, explain mm-hmm. it away or whatever so i, I yep. took it from that steal themselves yeah yep. exactly yep. so i think it's like we're, we're looking at the same things but just putting a different outcome on it but don't you think that that you know part of this song love sick has something to do with him being critical of you know lazy songwriting and things like that there's an you didn't pull any of that from it? I no, mean, not at all. Maybe that's just maybe that's just a surface interpretation from me, and if I looked at it deeper, I, I'd be dissuaded from feeling that. Well, anyway. I just think... like Him saying it's as if love's the only virtue there is, like, get some other shit happen to you in your fucking life. Talk about that. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't yeah, really I thought see that. about you know, it that way. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah. I just think with yeah. the way that they have the title like that, it's it's not lazy. You know, no, it's an interesting no, it's not. Little, you know, it's it's and that it's was completely awesome. lost on me. I I had no idea. Man. You know, that's 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 kind of cool. Well, you're not Sorry, the Latin guy. That no. uh, yeah, you're not the Latin guy. I don't think you're saying that this song is lazily written. No, I think not you're at saying all. this song is a commentary. Yeah, on right. lazy song on lazy songwriting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Steve, what are your thoughts? Well, I, yeah, it's interesting. I'm glad you did this song, I'm, and I'm glad you went into the title like uh, John said. Um, yeah, it just seems like there's a little bit of... Uh, I like the way you said fatigue. Um, John, I... Yeah, it just seems like someone who's going through everything kind of like a time... One of those time-lapse cameras of a relationship and reflecting upon it. And then... Uh, and to me, I, I took the love is the only virtue there is as... Uh, as truly what he meant, mm. not a facetious shot at mm-hmm. um, other people's songwriting. But so, I, so in the way, sorry, can I can I ask that love is so important? It's really all there is. Like that's 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 what he's saying on the surface. Right? Yeah, I mean that's love what is I, so important. It's the only virtue that really matters anyway. But I think so dwarfed by it, right? Yeah, like, that's right. how I was taking yeah. it. But yeah. you kind of have to look at it in the context. I think of how each each verse leading up to that is different, right? Like each one is different. It's this questioning. Like that's to me is Good what point, really stands right. out about it is this like confusion, this questioning, which links to he what changes, I was saying about the title. You can see him going back and forth. It, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. And it's a deliberate like going back and forth. It's as right. if, is it, mm-hmm. maybe it is, and then settling on that it is. So, I mean, I think you don't do that without some kind of purpose, right? Yeah, fair, totally fair. Yeah. And I mean, you know, just like just like most things, Gord Downey, uh, until you dig in, 
you know, you may have your thoughts about what the song is about and then uh, you take a real close look and uh, whoops. Yeah. No, not at all. You yeah, know? and you think to yourself, maybe I should keep my thoughts to myself. I, and then I've, you realize you're on I've, a podcast. I've never, <laughs> I've never thought that. I've never thought about uh, keeping my thoughts to myself. And I've also never thought of anything I didn't say. <laughs> so I don't know I don't know what you guys are talking about it's with all your internal there. monologues yeah. that you guys have. <laughs> uh all right. Well, uh yeah, I have the next song as well. So let me get into that. The kids don't get it. So this one's got some swing to it. So after the opening chords kind of on the offbeat there, we get a nice swinging bass line walking about. I think the uh, the offbeat guitars is interesting too. I know we kind of maybe pooped on it a bit, well one of us pooped on it a bit when they used it in uh, The Lonely End of the Rink. And it's true, it's not really a hip staple, but I like it with this uh, in this song. And there's also, you know, we, we keep talking about all these production notes and stuff. There's this weird reverse recorded hi-hat or breath sound that's kind of throughout this song, which is really kind of cool too. Maybe you could say it's a bit much, but again, I'm a fan. And then let's get to vocal delivery. This song's got a great vocal delivery. Gord is really... He's really straining in some of these in some of these lines. It's amazing. Uh, I think it's raw. It's genuine. He's even yelling at points um, and throughout the chorus. And here during the chorus, I love how the guitars drop the offbeat and everyone the offbeat strumming and everyone kind of joins in on the chugging, you know, straight ahead beat. But then when there's the melody change in the chorus and the vocals and the guitars kind of go together on that melody. Um, it provides like this path back to the offbeat sort of swinging verse, but it's like kind of a total like juxtaposition or opposite of that offbeat, you know? So I think that's a really cool uh, songwriting um, move. And finally, when we're thinking of the vocals too, you get a lot of great like woos and like, yeah, from Gord in this, uh, in this. And it's something you kind of expect from the live show. And I can just like I would have you know loved to be the fly on the wall in the studio as Gord is just jamming out and delivering this and feeling it so much that you get that those woos and yes. Now, let's get to what the kids don't get. And like John, like you like you alluded to, uh, I think this is one of those songs about songs or about a band or about bands and their audience and stuff. And while you said, I think if I remember correctly. You were saying it's coming from a point of, you know, maybe Gord talking to younger bands or something like this. And I came at it as the the sort of what we talked about in the in the opening is the the band against the audience. But we can discuss that at the end. So let me just start off and say that I love the conversation device that Gord uses so well and very often in uh, at the opening of this track. You said, if I ask you a question, are you going to lie to me? I said, honey, is that your question? Because honey, that one that's that one's easy. Because half the truth is just how much there is. The kids don't get it. No, the kids don't get it. 
And so this also kind of sets up the, the tone of the narrator of kind of being smug, I think, in his belief that people just, they just don't get it. You know, that question's easy. Half the truth is how much there, there really is, and y'all just don't get it. I think he's talking about a performer that feels perhaps that no one gets his art or there's no appreciation for the past, you know, the music of, of the past, the, the way we did it back in my day, or the rock legends, or whatever it is. Um, and this comes out you know, in, in the line, I'll be aped by my ancestors. I'll state the plan as my I'll I'll state the plan as my own. I think this is an interesting way to say that he's actually he's copying the ancestors, you know. He's paying homage to the musical forefathers, but rather than saying I'm aping my ancestors, it looks as though the ancestors are aping me and I'll state the plan as my own. It's like, no, 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 I'm, this is fresh, even though it's based on, on the past. But that's the, that's what's really hard uh, about being an artist is making it fresh, making, making what was, you know, the classics sound new. Uh, And then later on we get i'll be as careless as you are certain i'll get out of my own way i'll stop to cry into the curtains and like the greats before me go on stage and if half true it's good enough for this so to be a performer you got to be reckless you got to stay out of your own way and just you know just do it just do what you feel and then you got to feel the pain and sometimes you're going to have to cry into the curtains and if you can do that if you can do this just half as good as the greats did You'll be enough for this, which is also kind of, I think, a dig at the audience. It's like, if you can just do it half as good as the greats, these these schmoes will eat it up. You'll be good enough for this crowd. And then the rest of the verses to me are then too like this kind of arrogant talk of how good this performer is or how good you're going to be. I'm going to be an expert stranger, better than the giant squid. Great line. Love it. What's weirder than a giant squid? What's more... Uh, reclusive or unknown i'm gonna leave the stranger experts scratching their heads saying how do you do it when half the truth is just how hard it is So to me, I'm thinking this is like, you know, how do you make it, how do you make this seem effortless? How do you make this, you know, classical roots, this, this classic style of music that people don't appreciate anymore seem fresh and seem effortless? You know, most people don't get how hard it actually is. And I, I get this sense too in the, honey, are you going to lie to me? These lines where he's saying that, because he repeats it a couple times in the song, I believe. And I think that lie is is that no one really knows how much how much goes into making this this entertainment look so effortless. Um, yeah, and so that's my take on it. I think it's I think it is you know it's it's a critique on music or the audience not getting it or that people should have more respect for the 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 old guard or something like this. I love the animal imagery throughout the song with the squid and the antler and the elk. Like I said, the, the delivery is is amazing. Um, and I'll just say that before uh, John gets too angry about this being a, a singer crapping on his audience, I think you can also read this not as arrogant, but as insecure. 
and more like a pep talk that the performer is giving themselves before heading on stage. I'm going to be this thing. I'm going to do this, you know, kind of like ah, getting up because you feel in awe of the, the giants that stood before you, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants or whatever. So, yeah. And I think uh, this kind of, you know, I had this note before we even mentioned this kind of stuff in the intro, but it kind of sounds like, you know, maybe they knew they were going to get pushback onto the new sound. And this is kind of like a response to that. And this is, you know, so I had that written down before we discussed that exact thing in the intro is that maybe there there was gonna be pushback or people were expecting pushback. So maybe that's kind of this, is just kind of, you know, one of those, well, we know that we might take a little heat for in view or that this album's gonna be somewhat, you know, we're gonna try some new things. So let's just put that, let me, let me get out there and, and say just right away, you guys don't even fucking get it, man. These kids don't get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love your takes there, Brad. Um, I think I, I really appreciate the kind of two-sided coin you're mentioning about the um, arrogance and insecurity and how they kind of manifest themselves as one another. <clears throat> um, I When I look at the song, I that's the other thing I see is the kind of double-sidedness of being the veteran band, looking at the looking at the kids and um, kind of looking down at them, but then also realizing that you were once a kid too, right? So, and, uh, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of self-awareness of that in this song too. Um, I don't know, this song really reminds me of the Sloan line, it's not the band I hate, it's their fans. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've always loved that line. and I, I Could be of... written about the Tragically Hip. Yeah, oh, I've, I've quite could often be, thought be, that too, be, where that's them talking about hip fans. For sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, little bones, play little bones. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think uh, this is. I love what you said about the animal Im- imagery. There's a lot of it in there. Uh, the other thing that I just wanted to mention about this song uh, is I, I remember in an interview when the album came out that Gord said that this was he had an interaction with bob rock at like when they're planning this album out and bob told him that it's okay to sound like your influences and i mm. think gord was kind of almost shocked by that that he was being given permission to sound like his favorite bands from yesteryear uh, and i think he specifically mentioned the police when it came to this song um <clears throat> so i th- i thought that was really interesting when i heard that and how he they're at this point of his career where he did they didn't have to actively make sure that they weren't sounding like the bands that they loved mm-hmm. to listen to growing up uh and they kind of let that sneak in a little bit Interestingly enough, they started playing a lot of covers on tour around this time too, hmm. which was uh, which was really nice to hear. Um, but yeah, I I like this song. I love what you said about the vocals. That uh, rings really true to me as well. Uh, so yeah, John, why don't you get in there? All right. Well, this next one's called "Me Fans of Stupid Pigs." <laughs> I knew no, that was I, coming. Uh, <laughs> No, no, I just, uh, I, I, I never felt like that was what it was, but it's a very standoffish uh, vibe, right? 
there's some stuff about the press that's going on uh, in this. You know, let me ask you a question. And, you know, he's talked or, or it's come up over the course of his career about being harangued about what the songs mean and mm. things like that. And I think that, you know, more than, say, another run-of-the-mill artist, he does get confronted to explain or defend his songwriting. And, and you know, I've seen him have standoff uh, confrontations with uh, media members and things like that before, too, where I just don't... I don't think he's very comfortable talking about himself all the friggin' time and all the songs that you write are about yourself in some way. And if, you know, it just, it makes things odd mm -hmm. to have people, you know, want you to defend your emotions and innermost sort of thoughts and beliefs all the time to defend them well, to, to, to someone else who has no... No contextualization at all about why you wrote what you did. And the Canadian thing, you know, right? Like, the, he's always being, you know, what's the Canadian... Holy fuck, it's Jesus. Holy fuck, it's Jesus. That's going to come up later, too, of <laughs> course, with, with, with the drop-off. But, yeah, I, I think he has an air of notoriety, and he chafes at it. Mm. You know, he's... he, he, he You know... <sighs> What, what did you, we talked about it a little while ago too with our ambassador, right? Uh, the spirit of the West and and uh, it, it, him being sort of an unwilling, you know, flag bearer for 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 us as Canadians, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, us as Canadian art fans and things like that. I don't really, I, I, I definitely know that was not his intention, and he's very uncomfortable with the mantle, you know, and and that let me ask you a question and all this stuff um that's a bit cringy to me because it's, it's a little bit on the nose for him and and you know we are getting into the territory where you are um making art about the plight of the artist which is well it's not the first time that this theme has come up no, no, it isn't. It's just very frustrating for me to hear people complain about their work in their work. It's upsetting to me, but it could be something that I just need to fucking get over it. But, you know, like, I don't, I, I don't need to hear somebody talk about uh, how hard it is to make art in a piece of art. Like, I, I'm looking for escape. You know, that's what... That, that In my opinion, that's what I get out of art. That's why I consume art, is I'm trying to escape the triviality of actions and their consequences and things like that. So you making it about you and how hard it is to be you is is difficult for me to enjoy as art. I, I don't know if, if I'm the only one that feels that way, but it's... You know, self-piteous art is really disgusting to me, and, and there's and there's a little bit of that happening here, um, and it's and it's and it's so much worse in the next song, "Pretend," which is just like a a fucking piano ballad where like Gord lays on top of the piano and talks about how hard it is to be him. It's very. 
tough for me. I, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I, and it's, it's super cringy to me. Um, but I, I don't, th- the other thing too is I don't think that that's his intention either. You know, like all he can do is inhabit his own person. Right. So like he doesn't have these other viewpoints. Like he doesn't have the luxury of being an anonymous person like I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Where I can, I can sort of go back to my life of obscurity. You know, he has to wake up as that person, uh, all the time. But I, I just, you know, whether it's this song or, or even even when you work really really hard to to um, to kind of lighten the mood, like another song that that has a lot of parallels with this is "The Kids Don't Know How to Dance to Rock and Roll" by another great uh, Canadian artist, uh, Sam Roberts, right? And that is a super bouncy, upbeat. You 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 got a, a hard time finding a more upbeat song, but it's still about you know. These damn kids. Yeah. And, Old know, man on the like, porch yelling at the... Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Yelling at clouds or whatever. Yeah. I like... I, I just, you know, I can't help but be more the kids are all right, you know, uh, type of guy. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of, sort of what I think. And there is... Uh, I think, you know, he is gearing some commentary towards younger indie bands who, you know, they either hold him up in a certain way or he has a notoriety or... or there's a recognition um, amongst the art community for him that I, I think is weighing on him. I think it's safe to say mm-hmm. or fair to say. It could right? be. Like, we could look at it too. Is like I mean, it does. The song does come across as like really kind of confrontational. And like I said there in my you know description, it's like smug or kind of arrogant and stuff like that. But maybe it is too. It's just like um, a lesson, you know, from the old guard. You know, like here, let me give you this advice because you don't get it. And maybe it's like well, harsh I'm, advice or something like that, you know, like a hard lesson to learn or something like that. But because there is kind of this, um, you know, there is advice in, in that one verse I talked about where it's like, and then like the greats go on stage, but you, as I'll be as reckless as you are certain and, and stuff like that. Right. So it is kind of like um, some like... like dry, your, dry your eyes and get out there. Well, there's some sage wisdom yeah, too, you know? There's, I, I think it's, that's what I'm saying. Is like there's a, it, just, it takes the tone of like, here's my advice to you. This is how you do it. This is how you got to do it. But yeah. So I, I know, I'm sorry. I know I've already talked at length, but there's a couple things that, that you said that I, I hadn't thought of, ha, ha, totally had not occurred to me. Uh, the fact that he may not be speaking as himself, you know, because Gord does this all the time, where he um, speaks directly to the uh, the listener as a character, mm-hmm. right? So the fact that you know he may not be uh, Gord Downey in this song, I never really thought about it that way, and that it might be a little more, um, hey, this guy is being an asshole. I thought it was sort of more he's being an asshole, um, but and then the other the other thing. Um, that uh, I, I wanted to talk about was um, uh, just the idea that, um, th- I don't know, the, the idea that um, these younger bands, um, that they don't understand, that there's some fundamental thing that they don't understand. It, it seems like he's talking about work ethic and it seems like he's talking totally, about yeah. like, you know, how many, you know, if you don't like working five days a week, you're not going to like working seven days a week. 
and getting paid no money and you know sort of the promise of fame and and that sort of thing sorry i know i i muttered there uh while i was trying to find that thought but it just seems like you know it's it's very hard work and and he seems like a person who has worked very hard and you know it seems like there is part of this that's a bit of a cautionary tale you know i don't know yeah you got to put the work in and you got to pay your dues that kind of thing yeah yeah yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and he very well might be indulging that kind of avenue there. Right. Um, but I mean, I think we know through Gord's like actions and how he lived his life that he was very supportive of totally. the young indie community and yeah. also uh, other artists. You know, yeah. he he was a big trumpeter of a ton of young bands and and ones you'd never think. Right. He clearly had like his yeah kind of his ears open to kind of the whole world of music um good point. so either that's in it this is a kind of just an indulgence or like a or maybe it's there's some irony in here of someone talking right. to him right. maybe this is a conversation that he remembered mm-hmm. i don't know it it also is occurring to me that it's just not a very serious song right yeah um, fair but uh yeah, I think you're right to bring up all that stuff as well, John. So. Love all the screaming, too. Like, yeah. it's so good yeah. to see, you know. This, this you know, we talked about Pretend, the, the next track on the album being, you know, a little bit sleepy. But, but this is not you, a snooze. You talked it, about that. <laughs> it's just not a, it's not a snoozy album, though. Gord's up and mm-hmm. on point mm-hmm. and right in your face the entire time. This is great. That's all great to see, for sure. Yeah, totally. Well, I think we should move it along. Um, we've spent a lot of time on that one, but thank you, John, for your thoughts. We appreciate it. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who's up Who's up next? I think it's more John. You are, Brad. I think it's more John. Well, I've got the drop-off. Oh, it. yeah. Sorry. My bad. I'm shouting. I shouldn't host when I'm not the host. So this is the the drop-off. This is a song about boundaries. This is about what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. And it's, uh, I think it's about chafing, um, uh, you know, with restriction. And once again, I think this goes back to what we were just talking about. Um, old band, young band, uh, these sorts of things. Um, you know, he says, when the summer's young and nobody has their price. This is this uh, reference to selling out, you know, um, no one's offering, so why the fuck does it matter? <laughs> there's no, nobody has a price because there's no money in your face, <laughs> you know? And um, I, I just like this idea of, of boundaries and that he's gone far enough to find the boundaries. You don't go swimming past the drop off or else, you know, and, um, you know, he talks about the, um, impetuousness of youth. You're a pistol, you're a gun, you know, and, um, and so he does the, the rapid fire uh, twist my arm verse here too you know the fates are amok and the spawners run out of it you know the past is meant to please us uh, you're a comet from earth and a kiss alive shirt saying holy fuck it's Jesus I think that um, what 
what he's saying here too, uh, well, first of all, the past is meant to please us is uh, sort of a way of acknowledging that that he is a good old boy by this point. You know, like he's not a spring chicken. He's not discovering art. He, you know, a lot of these things are more ingrained and established within him and his band by this point. Um, but you're a comet from Earth in a Kiss Alive shirt saying, holy fuck, it's Jesus, is one of the only times that I've been able to find so far um, Gord referencing and acknowledging his awareness that he is a, a, a figure in in art in Canada like he is a person of notoriety and I think that the person who's saying holy fuck it's Jesus is like a sarcastic response say like there's a group of guys smoking and Gord walks up and somebody goes holy fuck it's Jesus that's what's I think that's what <clears throat> is is being said here where um you know he he he's lost his sort of uh people don't refer or see him as just another person or another singer or another artist right um and then of course i like this uh there's this idea here too the surface is green and the dark interweaves in a lonely iridescence it's terribly deep and the cold is complete and it only lacks your presence and nothing else this is um well first of all uh the lonely iridescent it's like after you learned the word iridescent everything was iridescent for a while i i i gotta bring that up you got but to you got to but it's uh a lot of this is the call of the void right where um you're the call of the void is something it's a phenomenon a psychological phenomenon where people start to contemplate what would happen if they jumped right if they're if you're if you're up to a great height and people start to realize that control of their life is so in their hands that they could just do it um and so that's what he's talking about where he's where he's talking about the you know it's terribly deep and the cold is complete and it only lacks your presence and nothing else it's like being uh wooed by the siren song or how seductive it would be to go um full indulgence like if we're talking about the boundaries of songwriting or uh, what you can accomplish or achieve as a band, you know, and he's saying don't go past this point, even if you want to go past this point, uh, don't, don't allow yourself to. He's talking about the call of the void of like, what would it be like if I totally sang for myself and no one else? Like, what if I wrote these songs completely for myself you know like what if i stopped thinking about what anybody thought you know and those sorts of things you know and it and and, and in a way that would be integrity you know what could be more you know you're writing what you feel is the best work full stop with no compromise nothing you know and i think what he's what he's grappling with right now is that um he is already gord downey and the band is already the tragically hip and if they try to do something that feels like too big uh, a detour or a divergence from what they've done in the past people won't respect that they'll view it as out of bounds and you take your shot again and i think that that has a lot to do with the album that this is on where they're trying to rediscover their sound they're trying to reinvigorate themselves and 
there's definitely going to be an element of you're not allowed to do that, like in view, you know, with the synthesizers and the, you know, and uh, so he, you know, there's also another line here to, to personal stakes will get raised and get raised till your story gets compelling where, you know, you never meant for it to be about you. You meant for it to be about the work, but you know, people don't care about the work as much as they care about you. They want they want the personal touch in the story. Um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, this is a really uh, the other thing too is the 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 way in which he delivers the vocal is super like smarmy, you know. And um, you know, when the sound is young, you know, and there's there's quite a bit of 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 that happening. Um, but yeah, he's definitely got something to say. I think he's pretty angry. Uh, and there's a lot of anger in this song, and it's about restriction and the way that people um, view you, what you're capable of or where you're supposed to go or or, or, or be as an artist. I um, that's that's what I got out of it, um, and uh, hopefully that's not too too negative. Uh, no, I don't think so. So just a quick question, yeah, just sure. to clarify, is someone's telling them not to go swimming pack past the drop off and you think that this album is no them doing that no it's, it's, it's still it's, staying within that no it's him telling younger artists that watch yourself no matter what you do and as free as you feel you are you're creating boundaries and people view your work as having boundaries like mm-hmm. like you'll be like, painted into a box no matter what exactly. you try, yeah. you'll, you're always going to yep. get painted into a box. You're always going to be judged by your last album kind of thing. Or, or, or your else. Hit or, or else. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and, you and know, unless you're trying to in the break void. free of that kind of thing. No, it's just despair. I think it's just him. Just a straightforward, raw emotion towards that situation. Yeah. Just talking about how shitty that is, mm. you know, and then like, and then, uh, you know, characterizing people who haven't come to that realization yet as people who are, you know, in the summer, in the young summer where nobody has their prices and it's all like kind of a fantasy mm-hmm, world, mm-hmm. you know? And he's like, yeah, wait till you get some recognition. And then people recognize that you should stay in your fucking lane, you know? Like it just <laughs> seems like a very, like, you know, he's very bristling, you know? I, I, re- I really like the song. I think it's a, you know, an all world song from them for sure. Especially the, uh, vigor in which yeah. he hits the rapid verses. Yeah, very vigorous. So the, um, what do you make of the "You're No Friend of Dylan's" the Bob Dylan reference? Oh yeah, dropping the name and stuff. Yeah. yeah well, Bob Dylan would be a guy who you'd think would have been painted in the, to this box about well, people, a thousand people times. People tried and, to paint mm-hmm. him into a box a thousand times, and yeah. he kept refusing to to be in that box. He yeah. kind of defied right. it to his own over detriment, over though. Again. To his own detriment, people don't like people don't like it when you redefine yourself. Like when he's born again Christian and he does these albums, but you got to serve somebody. People don't like yeah. it. Yeah. People are like, "Fuck, great! Now <laughs> yeah. we lost Dylan." Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think that just stands to, you know, further reinforce that point where it's just like, you know, and, and I think it's a reference to quality as well, to like, I mean, I think Dylan is used as a touchstone as uh, someone who's a hardworking uh, person who yeah. exists in modern music. Well, you know, whatever you want to call. Yeah, he's an unending tour. He's been on tour for 
Yeah, exactly. Years, he's I, just prolific. A bit of a yeah. He's like a totem to integrity. Of, I think mm-hmm, that yeah. he's being dropped in. Well, and way. he's one of the like um, few remaining from like the golden age, say of like rock and roll when all this started, right? Like the '50s, '60s kind yeah. of thing, and he's still here. You know, yeah. So, but uh, it makes me think more of uh, Bob Dylan's a great, great name drop, but. It almost makes me think more of uh, Neil Young in the 80s. Mm. Brad, I know you're a Neil Young, 1980s era fascinated guy. (laughs) A Transformer man. Love me some Transformer And he he went to the drop-off, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good good point. As like a total, like, fuck you to everyone telling him what to do. But people hate you for it. Your fans, they, they... Until you get back, I mean, maybe Neil Young is like, uh, maybe he's, maybe these are just the most uh, rare exceptions, but then he kind of, all of a sudden, five years later, he's the godfather of grunge, and like the most well thought of guy out there. But there's just no doubt that when when you're an established act like this, the idea that people want you to play the hits even though you're still actively making art as something insulting to you, right? I, and I wonder how much, because like this has come up now, like a bunch in talking about it, and it's not, not something that I, I really thought too, too much about. Like I mentioned it, that I had the note in uh, The Kids Don't Get It, but this idea mm-hmm. of like that they knew there was going to be some blowback. Like it's kind of interesting yeah. that it's it sounds like that there was some kind of. But they went to Bob Rock. But they went to Bob Rock. I think that that like I was talking from the onset. You know, this is the band's choice to make a super hard pivot and get the right guy to to do you know, that to, to execute make that, that yeah. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, sure. It does, you know, it does have this, you know, sort of older guy looking back at the music industry or fame or whatever. Yeah. And again, it has some kind of a wisdom or like advice, like let me tell you, let me tell you, kids, you know, this is how it's going to be, yeah. and you don't think so yet, but here it comes. And uh, you know how Steve, you mentioned that this is like, you know, we weren't. There's like different generations, you know, of hip fans. You know, like right. we weren't, we were kind of like the second generation coming in in the 90s and Phantom Power and stuff like this. What, what, what mm-hmm. albums were going on when we were in high school? And this is now like third level, third tier generation. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's got this, yeah, so it's got this sort of that kind of tone of like, well, we're up here now and looking back and we can tell you what it's all about. So it's kind of cool. Actually. Everything's, yeah, and almost like everything's different now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're, you know, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, thanks for indulging my uh, my my curmudgeon uh, on this. I, you know, I I I really love the two songs that I, that I was able to do in view and the drop off, and and hopefully I'm not spraying too much hate around for everything else. What would right? this but, podcast be without your curmudgeonness? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, do you want me to really ask answer that question? <laughs> Listenable, yeah, Listenable. No, right. <laughs> enjoyable, uh, yeah. more downloaded. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's move to the last track. Um, Steve, you're up. All right. I've got a family band. Now, this is definitely a back half of the album song. It's probably on the first listen. This this wouldn't uh, 
kind of bring me in as like uh, this is my favorite song on the album. Um, let's just say it was a late pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, I do uh, really. Uh, the reason I picked it, and I do li- I do like the song, is it's uh, it's a feel good song. You know, we talked a lot mm-hmm. about the last uh, uh, in the last podcast about the band. Uh, they were tearing at the seams in some sense, uh, taking refuge in the stage, uh, tiring of the group dynamic, perhaps. Uh, and in this song, Gord sings about sniffing this kind of vibe out sort of somewhat clumsy, clumsily at times uh, and exterminating it. Uh, so he says, I can smell a rat when it's all rat. I can't find one in an elevator. My mind doesn't work so bad, but I'm a poor exterminator. Uh, that's right, I can't destroy, destroy entirely or annihilate a little later. I can't see the entire city, but I'm not a bad exterminator. So I think this is in reference to kind of rooting out some issues and, and bringing them bringing them to the forefront and kind of exercising them uh, in a sense. Uh, you know, like when we have these kind of family dynamics like a band might have or a family might have, it's, you know, it's we're not all the best at uh, really identifying what's going on and then actually dealing with it, right? Like usually there's stuff right under your nose that you're, that could be bothering you and you're not really, uh, you're not grabbing at it and, and doing what you need to do to, to get through it. So that's where he, he's kind of bouncing back and forth between, Oh, I can smell a rat when it's all rat. Uh, I can't find one in an elevator when it's right under my nose. Uh, I'm a poor exterminator. I'm not a bad exterminator. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm getting out of that that verse. Uh, interestingly, I think he's talking about his band and the song in and the importance of the relationship uh, within the band, the relationships, and it seems that they're having uh, more fun just hanging out. Uh, but then he his addressing his wife or his actual family uh in the song saying uh one day i'll make some honest rock and roll full of hand claps and gang vocals we'll be a shade shy of true wickedness we'll be a shade shy of truly loving this yeah there are other things we'll rather be doing sure even nothing even nothing even nothing with you i think this is just kind of a concession that it's like i really enjoy being with the guys i enjoy making music but i know where we all know where the real kind of joy in life is the joie de vivre and it's at home doesn't mean uh you can't love spend and spend time with with both you know uh one may take precedent but uh he's having a great time making music at this point i think uh with his buddies um so my favorite part of this song is in the last verse uh, and they're describing loading the van up to play a gig in the snowy weather uh saying we'll load out through the snow through groups of small people smoke uh, through small groups of people smoking hey get that kick drum loaded and it comes in with the kick drum that's a total bob rock uh, touch i think there you could say it's lame but i gotta get a kick out of it uh 
into the back seat, folded down. Uh, we'll go virtually unnoticed. What's gripping the city ain't hitting the town. Um, and he, this is the second time that he uses this line uh, in the album, uh, except I think it's reversed in, in the last one. Uh, but like that's a that's a pretty interesting line. Uh, I think it's you could see it as like uh, they're kind of going back and forth between which which groups of fans to kind of satisfy, right? Like what's gripping the city as in popular music is not hitting the niche that we've created for ourselves. Uh, I mean, it's a little bit ridiculous to talk about them in that way as a niche band, but I mean, in the grand sense of it, you know, they are. It must be uh, so bizarre, to be honest, to be a band that plays so many different, for so many different types of crowds, you know, it would be, you're playing massive stadiums and small clubs all within a month, right? So, uh, I think that's just speaking to kind of maybe this music, maybe this album is being written for the larger audience and not the ones that they've perhaps, uh, kind of been gathering or catering to in the past. Um... So yeah, I, I like the song. I think it's kind of an upbeat song. Um, and I like that it's... I like that they're singing kind of about being uh, a band again, you know? Family band. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... On the heels of the songs that we've just done, it's almost like, okay, I've got my gripes out. And, you know, my kind of... You, you know, I've, I've laid these lessons out for you and maybe complained a little bit. But look, at the end of the day this is what we love to do and this is what we're doing, you know? And it's like a, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if we're popular. It doesn't matter if, if you like us, we're going to keep doing it because it's great. We're going to go through the snow. We're going to, you know, we're going to load up the kick drum, backseat folded down. We'll go virtually unnoticed, but that doesn't matter because we're having a good time, us guys here. And then, you know, the I, I agree with you whether you said like, you know, they're kind of noting that there's, Maybe this isn't the only thing in life. You know, there's other things that are important, but this is great. This is what we get to do for a living, and this is great. So it's kind of like, I feel like it's kind of just this, again, it's kind of got this wisdom uh, advice kind of thing to it. It's like, pay your dues, play the road, do the tours, but like, don't, don't lose the joy of it. Like, this is, the, the, the being able to do it is great. And so as much as you've just heard me complain, in the last couple songs or whatever, it's still great. Don't forget that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think a, a really good analysis by you, uh, Steve, for sure. And um, yeah, I, I, this album, I think, goes out with a whimper a little bit. Um, uh, and then the the song World Container itself, the titular track. Thanks for working titular into the intro too, Brad. By the way, I'm a I got you, Brad. Fan of that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and uh, no, I I I just um, I I think that these songs are 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 not their greatest work, not their greatest fare, and and uh, but be, 
you know, it doesn't mean that if you're going to give it an analysis, um, you just give it a half-hearted sort of thing. I, I just, I'm pretty disappointed in lots of tracks on this album. It's hard for, it's hard to really dig in, but, um, you know, the the kind of the insights you had and the and the things you were able to glean from it, Steve, I think are are true or and opened my eyes a little bit to, you know, to those songs. I I still think that I'll I'll you know f- feel on the surface the way I do about them, but uh, it's good to know that the work still exists uh, under uh, you know bubbling under the surface too, right? So, yeah. <clears throat> well, I think this song kind of, you know, maybe I'm just repeating myself again, but it's kind of sort of what you were kind of just saying it's like okay maybe you're, I, you know you're not going to get everybody like you're not going to change change your mind completely on this but there's value still there right like, yeah, maybe it's not yeah. for me but mm-hmm. other people like it you know or maybe this is for a new generation of hip fan or whatever it is you know so yeah well, it's it's comfort it's comforting to, to know that there's try there too yeah right? yeah, yeah that even if it's not you know even if it's not you know tickling my fancy you know, as a certain type of particular hip fan, that there isn't the same quality that we've come to expect. Effort, you know? right, yeah. Uh, effort, yeah, the tries there. Yeah, and that's one thing, too, we kept talking about with uh, with with Gord's vocal throughout the album, and I think extends to all the arrangements, all those sorts of things. I mean, if you, if you don't agree with the choices, that's one thing, but it's not a, it's not a shitty uh, uh, offering. Like, nobody phoned it it's in. It's not sloppy, um, it's not, yeah. No, yeah, exactly. No, Definitely it's, not. It's actually very much the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's it's super polished and uh, yeah, I, I I think uh, I think it's I think it's something interesting to hear gang vocals, to hear synth, to hear instruments that aren't present in the band uh, on this album, and. Uh, and and yeah, I think we're definitely into a, a new generation of uh, of material uh, from these guys as well. And you know, in all seriousness, too, I will try to curb my downerism on, uh, <laughs> on everything. I I, I, I don't I, know, man. I was I'm really looking forward to it in the next album. Well, I think I host too. Yeah, yeah I think this is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, so you're, I know you're saying like, steer into it. Uh, yeah, steer into it because I know there's a lot of people who. Uh, <laughs> love the next album in my personal opinion uh i think they should have gotten the bob rock situation out of their system with one go <laughs> out of their system it should have been like uh, uh and then move on move along because they took uh, one one album too many that's just one man's opinion Fair but um yeah i don't know i appreciate this album for what it is i think uh me too i think it's got some highlights to it i think it's got some prob you know like you're mentioning it has some kind of low spots to it as well but i really remember appreciating this album when it came out and i loved kind of talking about it today i think it was like it was great yeah yeah absolutely i think it's one that uh you know like i said off the top maybe you don't think of it or you remember it in one way but getting a chance to revisit it with this new sort of lens or you know years later kind of thing um it's mm-hmm. i think it's quite good uh, better than i remembered it uh, i quite enjoyed listening to it i want to like make a shout out to the song fly we didn't cover it but i think that's a really mm-hmm. strong tune mm-hmm. on this album as well um but otherwise i th- i like you're not the ocean as well exactly i like that and, I but like other that too. good way to open the album actually yeah. yeah yeah other than those two i think we you know we picked the the strong songs 
on the album. The ones that we didn't speak about were maybe the ones that you could say dip uh, in in qual not quality, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, for sure. Interest. Yeah. There's just not. But I think it is interesting that. that like this album, you know, because like as we alluded to, the next album and the albums after, it's going to be different. It's a different hip. You know, it's later mm-hmm. in the catalog where, you know, you get... From here on up, yeah. it's a very dividing line, right? Right, right, like, right. And I used to, I could have thought before that maybe this was the, you know, this was past the, the dividing line, that you could lump this album into those last ones, but I don't think you can. I think this one is kind of unique, and it's really good, and maybe it signals that switch into these sort of later years or whatever. But uh, I think it's a very hip album, and like I said, you know, throughout that, I think it's it showcases what the band does really well. It's just put through a different filter, uh, you know, the Bob Rock filter. But it's still the hip right. doing the very the very hip thing. So I quite like it. Um, it was uh, yeah, it was great to it was great to break this one down. I'm glad we got a chance to sit and do this, and looking forward to John taking over the next one. But unless there's any other thoughts. Should we wrap that up then? I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll see you there. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on the cast of the Unplugged Gems. Thank you all so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please do rate us or comment on the show wherever you're getting your podcasts. You can also follow the show on Twitter and interact with us there at castgems. You can also visit the website, hipcast.meterroom.ca. All the artwork for the show was provided by Sebastian Abood. You can check out more of his great work at sebastianabood.com. That's Sebastian, A-B-B-O-U-D.com. This show is produced by Matt Walkie. You can check out his great stuff at meterroom.ca. This show is co-produced by me, Bradley Van Paradon. You can find my work at bradleyvanperidon.wordpress.com. You can also follow and interact with me on Twitter, at bvanperidon. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the cast of the Unplugged Gems.